<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Got another dude! What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Dudes to the right, dudes to the left, stuck in the middle with you. Got another dude! Heisman Trophy, Bronco Nagurski Award, Ultimate Dudes. Got another dude! O-Line U, bunch of dudes. Lot of dudes. Yeah! Another dude in the house! Boston College in an upset. They're partying the modes tonight. Partying the modes. Welcome to the Lot of Dudes podcast, presented by Fourth and Dude, brought to you by Boston College 24-7 and Armchair All-Americans, Season 3, Week 2. It was officially a party in the modes on Saturday night, as the Eagles notched an enormous 35-28 victory against Virginia Tech in the season opener. Tony Touchdowns and the boys shut up all the off-season haters, as AB lived up to his nickname, and the new-look defense answered some questions of their own by forcing five huge turnovers. On today's episode, we'll recap the statement win over the Hokies, talk dude or pood, and preview the Spiders of Richmond to see if the boys can keep the party going next Saturday. Matt, I gotta say, I'm, I'm shocked that there was no Hokey Pokey uh, reference in your intro there. I don't know if we, I assume we've just overdone that in the last couple of years, but either way, what a 60 minutes of football we put together on Saturday. So many great performances on all sides of the ball, as we'll get into. I... I legitimately think that we have an ACC contender on our hands that we'll uh, we'll talk about once we get into the courtroom. Uh, but before we get into everything, today's Virginia Tech recap and Richmond preview is brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Matt, we nailed our picks last week with both the over and the Eags plus four and a half. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep listening to our winners and not betting on them. That's why you got to go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. They include all kinds of props and live betting. If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, just take the other side. Or if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, Uh, set up some parlays, multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the football season is the best time of the year period, so you don't want to miss out on the action. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Matt, as mentioned, we did get paid on Saturday thanks to an all-around great performance out of the birds. Just an absolutely picture-perfect day for football. Just an ideal way to kick off the year. Our first season opening ACC win since 2007. The only question I have for you at this point is, have you booked your New Orleans flights yet? I'll, I'll tell you what, Matt. I'm, I'm pretty darn close. Um, and, and let me just kick this off by saying that I, I took the money line like a real fan. I don't know. You took the points. You needed the, the four and a half to feel safe. Well, I, I just tied them together. I knew they were going to win, but I figured time together. And that's still, I, I'm a guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, Matt. That's the parlays. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, it was such a hell of a game on Saturday. Um, and, and I guess let me, let me kick it off by saying, if you had told me that AJ Dillon would be held for under hundred yards rushing and Virginia Tech would throw for 344 yards and four touchdowns. 
I'd uh, I'd say we're we're zero and one there, Matt. Yeah, and, and I think the bottom line is that it was not a completely perfect performance. Uh, there certainly is room to improve in a lot of areas, but the beauty is we now have three relatively easy weeks of football ahead of us to work out the kinks before the schedule ticks slightly back up with Wake Forest and NC State. But um, I got to be honest, I mean, I think I, I think that we are undefeated at this point when we go into Clemson in late October. Yeah, I'll t- we'll take it one game one game at a one time. One game at a time. Fair, fair enough. Fair um, enough. I'm getting yeah, ahead of myself. But to, but to your point, and it starts with Richmond on Saturday, obviously. But it's hard to see another loss on this schedule for quite some time. I mean, Wake, I guess, would be the next legitimate opponent. Um, it's Wake and NC State. Wake and NC State are the only two. Even you know, I know you're terrified well, of Rutgers. We'll but. see. We'll see what Louisville looks like tonight. But yeah, I, I would probably agree with you. And yeah, I mean, the the point is, this wouldn't be Boston College if they didn't have at least a scare along the way. So you know, I don't think we're going to go into Piscataway, for example, and and you know, blow these guys out. Well, we might. I don't know. But but I think we know, are, between but, Rutgers yeah. and Kansas, and there will be a, a close call at some point that probably shouldn't be a close call because again, it wouldn't be BC otherwise. But, you know, obviously the, the big question this offseason was your boy, Tony Touchdowns. Has he made the leap? And, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a perfect performance, but that was the best AB I've seen. It was on par with his performance against Wake Forest last year. What a absolute performance by that kid. 15, 15 for 26 for 275 yards, two touchdowns. But that doesn't even really do it justice. I think another uh, touchdown uh, rushing, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Which we've been asking for for years, by the way. Like, why don't we just run the Tyler Murphy offense with the addition of an awesome running back and a quarterback who could throw pretty well. And I think there were obviously some injury concerns in previous years of not trying to test his knee. But, I mean, that play was run to perfection. And if that's something that we can continue to hit on over the course of the next, you know, two months, it's it's things are going to be very, very positive. Yeah, and they were really elite throws. And I, it's the first time that I've said that about AB. You know, I've, I've been reluctant to get on board the, uh, the Tony Touchdowns hype train, as you guys all know. But some of those throws yesterday, that first one, obviously, to Zay Flowers was incredible on the money for that first touchdown. Even more impressive, Matt, was was the Kobe throw on, mm-hmm. on the run on that on that long third and 10 or whatever it was. And that hit Kobe again in the corner. I think it was in the second quarter for that for that touchdown, too. Those are great. Ca- I mean, both, by the way, both of those phenomenal catches. And we'll, I'm sure when we round out the position groups here, we'll talk about how impressive our receivers were. But yeah, I mean, he, this, this was like the, the most professional you know, throw game that we've seen out of Boston College, honestly, since the Matt Ryan days. Yeah, I mean, 100 percent. Those are those are elite throws. And I don't know what you chalk it up to if it's if, if it's coach Mike Bajakian has been working with him all summer and, you know, has helped improve his accuracy. If, if it's just his time and, you know, it's, it's his third year in the program and he's, you know, ready, ready to show what he's got. I mean, obviously he's got the arm. Um, he's got all the talent in the world. But this is really the first time where I've been fully impressed to the point that I think, and we said 10 and 2 last episode or the season preview episode. I don't think it's that outrageous to actually believe that if AB sling, slinging the ball yep. like he is. Yeah, and and again, I think that we talked about this, or or more so me, because I'm I think I'm more the driver of the hype train, like you alluded to. But having him now have this full healthy off season, uh, he did not have that the previous year. And again, just like you said, being the third year in the program, I also think there's a huge element that everyone on this team has been so hungry this past off season. I think the end of the year last year, you know, both with losing some games down the stretch as well as the canceled bowl game, I do think left a really bad taste in everyone's mouth. And we heard it over the course of, of you know, spring and, and summer camp and through ACC media day of how, 
you know, the guys that we needed to be our guys, AJ, Anthony Brown, some of the key guys on defense were the guys who were, uh, you know, first in, last out, really working harder than everyone and, and, and leading the team by example. And I think that we are starting to see the, uh, rewards of, of that hard work here. It was just so impressive. And, and, and I think it was everything that we expected him to be at the highest end of our expectations. Uh, but it's going to just completely change the course of our season. Like you said, if the defense had, if defenses have to respect our throw game, what that is going to do for AJ Dillon and really our stable of running backs is, is legitimately unfathomable. I mean, it quickly becomes a, a undefensible uh, offensive attack on, on, you know, really all facets. Yeah. And vice versa as well. Right. I mean, you really, I know AJ Dillon's stat line for this game was underwhelming. And by the way, he just has unfair expectations, I think, going into every game based on what he's done in, in the past. Um, but you really can't overstate his impact on the game. He um, Virginia Tech was was absolutely zoned in. Just having him in the backfield, you know, resulted in Virginia Tech's safety. It's not even thinking about dropping back into coverage, right? right? So, and, and then on the on the AB zone read, right? He, he was able to go untouched because those guys were so focused on number two. So, and then related to that, the offensive line looks phenomenal, particularly in, in the pass protection. So, you know, we're giving AB a ton of credit here, but this was fully, a, a, you know, a team victory. You know, everything was clicking on all cylinders. And without all that, you know, coming together, you know, I don't know that we, we, we come out of there with a win because we, we needed every single, all the points we could get the way that, that Virginia Tech was coming back in the second half there. Yeah, completely agree. And, and again, just reiterating the offensive line. So the run game was, I guess we'll say disappointing overall. But like you said, I think that's just because we are expecting fireworks. I mean, again, AJ still putting up 80 yards and had three or four great runs. His touchdown run was phenomenal. And obviously the game winning third and nine. Um, 11 yard run was excellent. Pass protection was perfect all day. Only one sack and one hurry, which is, you know, pretty unreal. I know that we did have some questions around the Virginia Tech front seven coming into it, but still an ACC defense and that's still very impressive. Um, also want to give a shout out to Tyler Vrabel with the game winning block on that final third and nine on the Dylan run, just completely pancaked. Uh, the guy who basically had a straight shot at Dylan and a special shout out to his father, Mikey Vrabel, who was just going bananas in the crowd all day. Uh, we had a couple good Twitter videos come in from, from some of our listeners about, you know, his reactions to some of the good stuff going on. So love him getting involved in the program. But I mean, it was just, they were not a huge question mark for me coming into the season. There were some youth concerns potentially, but I think that at this point, you just have to feel really good about what we have up front. I mean, it's O-line you and it's Adazio. He's an offensive line coach. So certainly not surprised to see them come out the way they did, but it is a nice thing to not really have to worry about now the rest of the way. Yeah. In the interest of managing expectations, particularly your expectations, um, I will say Virginia Tech is probably not the best defense we'll fair. see. Very you know, fair. We, we know that their defensive line was undersized and we have one of the biggest offensive lines year in, year out. Uh, so that was a matchup that we felt pretty good about. And in the secondary as well, I mean, single coverage downfield against weapons like Kobe, who, you know, Zay Flowers got a ton of credit, as he should, and I'm sure he'll be one of our dudes of the week uh, in a few minutes here. But the, the catches that Kobe was making uh, were, were legitimately incredible degree of, get, a degree of difficulty. So uh, if we can continue that, I, I mean, I don't know what defenses are going to do, right? That they're going to have to say, all right, well, Kind of like what Bud Foster said is, all right, well, we're not going to let Dylan beat us. If if Tony touchdowns turns into Tony touchdowns, then, you know, there's nothing we can do, but we're not going to let Dylan beat us. So right. if, 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 if other teams have similar game plans, they might be in trouble. And then if you try to, you know, drop back four in, in, in the secondary there, then, uh, you know, Dylan's going to make you pay. So this this team is shaping up to be a tough out. I'm just hoping it's not an anomaly. I hope Virginia Tech not, it just isn't that bad. 
Uh, I don't think they are. It's still Bud Foster, right? But I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens for, and I guess we won't really know, right? That's that's part of what happens early on in the season when you're playing cupcakes like we do for the next three weeks. But uh, yeah, we'll right. get a I chance think, to think... fine tune it. And, and you know, by the time we play Wick, everything should be clicking. Yeah, I think I think honestly we'll know a lot more over the next three weeks based on what Virginia Tech does than what we do. Maybe with Rutgers being the exception, you know, like if that's a dogfight, then there will be you know the, the level of concern will will slightly tick up. But I think depending on what Vot Tech does, which I don't know what their next four games are. I know they have ODU coming up, which will be a big revenge game for them. So I would expect them to you know try to get uh, again coming off this loss and then the loss there last year. I think they'll probably win that game by a hundred, but. Um, no, I, it's, it's, it's so positive all the way around. We want to touch on the defense quickly. You know, they're, I, I think they were obviously the unit there that, that had the most concern from, from us. And I think for most fans coming into this season and they stepped up and passed just about all the tests. Um, they did have a couple big plays go against them. Obviously the first touchdown was a complete blown coverage. And then the other one that sticks out for me was the third and 21, which, you know, basically allowed them to stay in it. That was a, that was a play. If we got them off the field, then, you know, we would have had the ball potentially trying to go up three scores, something like that. But by and large, they, they passed all the tests against, you know, what I think is one of the stronger aerial attacks we'll face. I know Willis is a somewhat untested quarterback, but some of the best receivers we'll probably see all year, if not the best. And while we were, you know, technically undersized, there were some athletic plays, phenomenal coverage. The Sebastian interception, where you know, where he basically snapped his neck, was one of the most athletic plays I've seen out of a BC secondary in a long time. And that's certainly no disrespect to you know the the Will Harris and the Lucas Dennis and the Hamp Cheevers. It's just more a credit to you know what we're actually working with now. So I don't know your thoughts on the defense, but but for me, I am feeling significantly more confident. Again, with the caveat that maybe Vatek's not the greatest offense overall that we'll see, especially on the ground. But think that that they certainly get a significant passing grade from me. I absolutely love this defense. This is going to become my favorite defense in Boston College history, I, I think, Matt. And I know it's wild to say that after they just gave up 28 points, but it, I mean, expectations to your point were were pretty low coming in. We had complete question marks in the secondary. The D line was gutted from last year, obviously. But it's a credit to these coaches for you know not just not rebuilding, but but reloading at, at those key positions. And outside of a couple of hiccups early with. Uh, you know, Tate Haynes, I think, I, I don't know who was on, on the the, co- the safety coverage there, but, um, you know, that was a blown coverage on their initial touchdown and, and a couple other minor, you know, issues. But I think the game plan in general from Bill Sheridan, who I think did a masterful job overall, was, you know, keep everything in front of you, right? I mean, avoid giving up the big play. And then that enabled them to capitalize when Willis, who we know is, you know, prone to turning the ball over, uh, they're able to capitalize on those. So those five turnovers are, are obviously... To me, the difference in the game, we don't come out of there with a, with a win without all that. And just making Virginia Tech really earn every point that they scored. And, and we discussed it last week, too. So, I mean, game one's always sloppy. We saw, you know, countless sloppy games a, a, across the league. But but that really was the difference. The fact that, you know, Ryan Willis was, you know, we, we completely shut down their run game, which forced Willis to try to uh, make things happen, right? And uh, it resulted in him forcing the ball and all that and allowed us to uh, to really shift the momentum at, at five different points in the game and, and you know, tear offense up on, you know, in their territory a couple times there. So and I know turnovers are, are you know, by, by nerds such as yourself and Bill Connolly and those analytics guys, you know, turnovers are considered to be, you know, luck, right, or, or you know, not something that's sustainable. But all if you think about it, all those were, were forced. 
the Tanner Carafa one was the most insane play I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I'll say the the only exception would be the the punt return, but otherwise, yeah, uh, yeah completely right, right, with you. Right place, right time, though. I mean, well, but, sure, yeah. but that's the definition of yeah, luck. I mean, I you're, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, if you're gonna come at the nerds. He, I need to fight back a little he, bit. He heard footsteps. So, um, but but the Carafa one was was incredible. You, you mentioned the Sebastian one, Joey Sparatia, who's who's the absolute man. I love that guy undercutting that route, and then Tate Haynes as well, who who quickly made up for uh, whatever happened on that on that uh, initial touchdown they gave up by uh, you know doing. And Bill Sheridan again drew up a, an awesome uh, uh, safety blitz there. Tate got in there. He didn't. Even, uh, Willis didn't even see him coming around the corner. And just got the uh, got the hand on the football, and, and you know that's that's those are the plays that you know separate winning teams from losing teams. So absolutely thrilled with our defense. Yeah, and the other so the other one I'll even note too, and and I think a general positive, and we expected him to be good in the leader of this defense, but I did not expect him to be as good as he was. Was Tanner Carafa? The guy was an absolute monster all day. I mean, it was shades of Zach Allen with the pressure he was getting. Obviously, the interception, like you said, was an incredibly athletic play, but also you know he batted down a couple balls at the line. One of those I will say. It was when uh, Vatek was coming off of their end zone. They were on like the two-yard line. Ball was thrown to the near side. He batted it down. If he didn't bat it down, our yes. whoever was our corner there jumped that route, and and you could tell that, was, that, uh, that, that was, ball was that, that was Sparacio. That's yeah. that's I have that written down. Jim I saw that. interceptions. It Matt. was going to be the easiest touchdown in the history of, of Boston College football. Um, so that, but it's like everyone did their job too perfectly. I they thought I was the only the one that perfectly. saw that. They got pressure on the weak side, on the far side, and then Carafa got the got the tip. So it was like three things happened perfectly there. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I think that you know we we knew that he was going to be kind of a stalwart in our defense this year and something that we needed to rely on. But if, if if what we saw in those 60 minutes is any indication, he is a legitimate superstar in this league and will take our defense up about 10 notches, you know, from what we expected. Yeah, and it's it's I, I thought I was the only one in the world that saw what happened there on, on the Carapa bat down. Uh, but you saw Joey Sparacio, who had undercut that other route as well and almost, you know, would have walked into the end zone with a pick six. And, and it actually leads. But he's my official dude of the week this week, Matt. OK, Joey Sparacio, it. who had huge, huge uh Choose to fail with Isaiah McDuffie's injury, and he so he had the pick. He was all over the field, and this is a five eleven. You know, he's undersized. He was like a two star, not even recruit coming in. And it, what is he? Is he a freshman, sophomore? I, I don't know. One of those. And uh, to to for him to have a performance like that in a game like this in his debut uh, was was incredible. So uh, I don't know if our linebackers. I I loved it at the beginning of the year, and it'd be great to have McDuffie back, obviously. But you had Max Richardson, who was all over the field. Yeah. By the way, Joe- Maximilian Richardson. The fact that his name is Maximilian is is excellent. I, I feel like I, he should. I like that Herzlik was calling him by the because I think he's gone by Max in the past, and Herzlik's right. like Herzlik kept calling him Maximilian, which I, which a little, I appreciate. a little fellow linebacker hazing too. More, I think, more like you know, more like got to pass it down. More like Saxamillion. Yeah, I would. <laughs> One million sacks, you could yeah. argue. Wow. Yeah. That, 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 also, that, too perfect. that, that all plays. Um, John Lamont was was another guy that I think led the team in tackles, uh, or at least big hits. He he laid the lumber a, a few different times. That guy's going to be a monster this year. Uh, feeling really good about the tight ends and or the uh, linebackers rather. And, uh, and and like you said, I think the secondary is a work in process. But for game one, I think they did a pretty good job mitigating the damage. Just you know, for for a team that can sling the ball with Willis with those huge receivers. All, 28 points in 15 possessions. I think that's a pretty darn good performance yeah, across I, I the com- board by this defense. Yep, completely, completely agree with you. And then the only other unit to touch on is the kicking game. While we missed the the 41 yarder, overall, you know, I, I didn't feel that bad about it. Like it was a good looking miss. 
it we're I feel like used to. I think it was shanks. a thir- I think it was a thirty eight yarder. But was I it okay? Yeah. Well, right around forty yards. Yeah. So it was you know, not not a gimme, but it was not a shank. Like it, it it looked like it could have been good. I mean, it probably missed. It's it a little by slice. I did that, I did it on the golf course all the time. You just got to aim left. He'll learn. Right, exactly. That like that's fixable, and all the extra points were perfect. Overall, I feel good here based on what I saw. Sure, you yeah. would have loved to get that, and an extra three points would have been very comfortable, especially over the last two minutes. Yeah. But <laughs> things could be things could be a lot worse, and and have been a lot worse over the last you know two three years. I'll say this, and this might be a hot take. Those were the best looking extra points I've seen on the heights since Nate Freeze walked through yeah. that door. No, that's not a hot take. That's a correct take. Yeah, I think special teams in general. I think I like Travis Levy returning the uh, returning the kicks and punts. I know I think he had a fumble on one. He but did. He I think it, I so. think his I think he's probably. I mean, it's like the Belichick thing. If you fumble a punt return, that's that's pretty much it for your for your you know task back there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's tough back there, right? I mean, and he recovered it, so that was you know good improvisation there. I mean. <laughs> what people probably want is is a flowers, right? I mean, right. I, he's of course be the long term solution. But I, I like Levy, and Levy can you know he, he's a big play guy, and he's a special teams guy. He can do it all. So I, I like having a vet back there. So I, I'm I'm good with that. And he had a, a couple big returns. There was one in particular that he he stiff armed. You know, he forced three or four missed tackles and, and got yeah, it was the most so. exciting seven yard return in the history <laughs> yeah, right. of college football. I think uh, I'm with you overall that a veteran presence is good, but the veteran presence is good because it's more secure. If you're having security issues at that point, then I'd rather you know try to go for the electric factory in, in flowers. But again, overall, no huge concerns really anywhere for me, um, which is is all you can kind of ask for out of week one. And on the other side, I think I'm severely positive about a lot of things that I maybe had some question marks coming in on. So overall, a pretty perfect 60 minutes in terms of what I wanted to see. Well, Certainly some stress down the end, but you know, if that's as bad as it gets, I can, I can live with it. Yeah. And I think you and I are on the same page. That was a pretty damn good performance for game one. And we knew that it wasn't going to be perfect, but uh, any any way you can beat a team like Virginia Tech, I don't care, you know how how good they're going to be this year or what. I mean, that's that's a team that's loaded with talent, and uh, you know to t- to win when you know it's it's really a, a, you know showing the off season work that these guys put in. One thing I do want to bring up, and I, we don't really have to talk about. It. Well, it depends how how you feel about it, I guess. A lot of fans seem to to be down on some of the play calling uh, offensively. Which and and full disclosure, I was <laughs> watching the game while I was at a wedding, so I, I did end up seeing every play or most plays, but then I rewatched it. So I am, you know, I'm still an authority on the game. Don't worry. But it seemed like there was a lot of haters that thought we turtled in the second half, and I don't know if that's just like a, a like a reaction because that's what we've done, you know, historically, and people are just saying that. But I don't know about you. I I really didn't see that. I think we. You know, we, we obviously got slowed down in the third quarter, but that's Bud Foster. He's a legendary D coordinator. And the same plays that we were trying to, you know, that were working in the first half weren't working in the second. I, I don't think it's a, yeah. it was a philosophical issue. Yeah, my thoughts on this are, are, are a few fold. One, I think that you are over-exaggerating the number of fans who were upset about it. I think they're, you know, it's it was a vocal minority, but for the most part, I think people were happy with. Uh, check out, uh, and it's, it's not even worth, you know, dignifying it, but there was, the message boards were full of, not not even message boards. There was a couple sites that had comments that had fans that had issues with the game plan. But again, okay. these are people that have personal issues with Steve Adazio. And, you know, we could beat Alabama by 50 tomorrow. And they'd find something to nitpick. So Well, sure. And again, I mean, I think I'm with you overall that they were pretty aggressive. But the, the, the only negative would be, yes, you know, Bud Foster did make adjustments and we didn't really respond to the adjustments necessarily. Which isn't completely a bad job. We had things that were working and, and you don't want to completely abandon your game plan, you know, just out of panicking after, you know, the first couple of drives. I like the game plan of, you know, being aggressive and mixing in those big throws. But again, we're still a running team at our core. We've got AJ Dillon. We've got a good offensive line. So let's continue to pound that. And, 
you know, it didn't completely wear them down, I think, in the way that we would have hoped it would, but well, it did still lead to a few major breakouts, including the touchdown drive in the second half, which was, I think, exclusively on the ground. Exactly. Um, I don't I'm, know if there was a single completion in there. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was that was my point as well. I mean, the reason we're, we're a running football team, well, it's it's, it's really there's, there's two reasons. It's one, to you know understand the coverage they're throwing at it so that we can then set up play action um, to convert on those big plays that we saw in the first half. And then, you know, two, we have A.J. Dillon, we have David Bailey, we have a massive offensive line. You know, we're going to wear these guys down over the course of a game. And we saw that come to fruition in the fourth quarter when, to your point, you know, we held on to the ball for, I think it was four or five minutes, 10 plays, uh, when, when Dillon and Bailey just wore these guys down and, and you, know, went, went, you know, got that go-ahead touchdown that really iced the game and we, we needed it, right? If we're a passing team, and I, I don't know if that's what, what fans want, if they want it to, you know, to run the spread, West Coast offense, offense I, I don't know. We have A.J. Dillon, we're going to run the football. But you saw you, you saw the reason why we're a run-first team for, for how hard it is when we when we get a lead, and we say this all the time, we're not great coming back <laughs> historically, right? BC is not a great, uh, you know, come-from-behind team. But when we have a lead, we can keep it because we have guys like A.J. Dillon and we control the line of scrimmage and we can get – you know, four yards consistently every single time and, and run that clock down. Matt, do you mind if that, I think that's a perfect segue into my dude. Are you okay if we spin this into dude or poot here? Absolutely. All right. So my dude is just that overcoming adversity. How often have people said over the last, you know, couple of years that, that Daz is basically dead in the water the second he gets behind. So seeing it in game one of jumping out to a quick, quick lead, but then having them storm back, you know, I think on their next two possessions, I don't know if there was one in between, but basically taking the lead very quickly things I think historically, and maybe there's some PTSD amongst BC fans, but I think if this was a couple years ago that we might not fight back. So I think seeing this team, you know, come out and overcome a quick adversity, overcome an early deficit is huge. And then the second half of that is staving off the, the charge at the end. Again, like we talked about, it was a very uncomfortable final 10 minutes but I think a lot of that is just because of a you know our our frame of mind of assuming the worst with the Steve Adazio Boston College football teams, and the reality is that that just might not be the case this year. This is a different team. Uh, this is different players. They're they're you know maybe better coached than than they have historically been under Daz, and maybe we need to come to expect that these are the games that they're going to hang on to. And yes, at the end of the day, it was still a seven point you know win, and and we were up two scores until you know two minutes left, so we should feel pretty comfortable about that. But I think overall that overcoming adversity right out of the gate. Uh, overcoming the deficit, and then again, you know, hanging on when things got a little tough, or at least felt tough to us, I do think is huge for the team's mindset, and honestly, for the fans' sanity as well. Um, because you know, obviously, if 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 we're going to go and win ten games, or or ultimately fifteen games, there's going to be some tough moments, uh, you know, within that. And we're going to need to come back from halftime deficits. We're going to need to stave off furious charges in the fourth quarter. So if we can get into that mindset and get comfortable with that, then that's, I think, kind of one of the last missing pieces between us just being a very good team and ultimately a great team. Yeah, 100%. I think think that's exactly right. I really have nothing to add. I mean, I I agree that Boston College teams in years past have not been built to win games like this, but I think people need to get with the program. This team's different. Uh, with Dylan, with with Brown, with this defense that I think could be elite um, and playmakers across the board, I, I think we're we're shaping up for you know a season with a ton of, ton of potential. So that leads me to in by dude, and my dude is just being undefeated. There was so much at stake, obviously, to to win this football game. Uh, we don't have a meaningful game. I don't want to say that we shouldn't be overlooking anyone. Sure, yeah, yeah, I agree. We don't have a true test until I'll say Wake, but really it's probably NC State. I mean, can you imagine if we had lost this game? And, and is what Virginia Tech's dealing with on the other side. But if we had lost this game, we're zero and one, 
And we don't really get another crack at, at you know, proving ourselves until, you know, Same weeks, thing, until Wake week, or NC State, right, exactly. Week six, right? So right. the fact that we won this, and, and the beginning of the year can be can be frustrating to get through in general because you, you go through the cupcakes and the non-conference, but the fact that we proved that we can beat a good football team, it sort of keeps the dream alive for, you know, for the, for the next month. Um, we, we have a chance to be ranked, I think, probably in the next couple weeks if we take we'll get, care we'll get a lot i think we'll get a, i think we'll get a significant amount of votes this week significant yeah. being you know more than zero because we had zero last time but i don't think we'll be ranked i think that just by con- convincing after wins Rutgers will be will be ranked just because at that point assuming things go well we're four and oh almost by attrition more than anything else just because there will be plenty of teams at the bottom of the rankings that will you know fall out yeah i mean i, I don't think there were a ton of other big big games that happened. So I think we'll move up a, a fair amount this week. Right. And there were some teams that didn't look so good. Not a lot of teams lost in the uh, in the top 25. But for example, Syracuse, which we'll get to in Duteous Corpus, they looked like shit against uh, Liberty that was whose coach was coaching from a hospital bed. But but I guess point being, you know, if we if we have convincing wins over Richmond, and I think if we beat Kansas, we're three and zero. We have Virginia Tech on our resume, and the wins are convincing, and people other teams lose, obviously. You know, we'll have a shot to get in there. We'll probably, I, I could see us being, you know, in the, the twenty to twenty five range when we head down to Piscataway. Yeah, so, I, com- I completely agree. So with that. just that—that's that, that, my dude. Just the fact that we that we obviously won this game, not not rocket science here, but and I was I was just in such a good mood for you know it's been really all, all weekend long. I've been it's honestly know, it's walking like, down it's, the street. I've been like saying hi to strangers, and I've been wearing just, exclusively BC gear yeah, for the last too. 48 hours. It's like it's 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 you know a little weird to admit because we're pushing we're not quite 30, but we're pushing 30. It's a little weird to admit that you know 50 uh, 20 year olds have this much of a bearing on my like mental happiness over the next you know over the the coming seven days after a game but yeah it's just night night and day how you know positive we are on this podcast how positive just like we are in life uh following a, a big win like that versus the uh you know hole it would have put us in right off the uh, bat and we also made a lot of claims we made a lot of claims we in the past <laughs> couple episodes about this That's team fair. going 10 and 2 etc so yeah the fact that it's you know step one on the road to 10 and 2 has officially you know been achieved i think that's exciting so with that matt i actually don't have any poods this week it was not a perfect week by any means but i think overall it was a positive enough performance that i don't want to dwell on any of the negatives i know we talked about a couple of things that we'd like to see uh you know change in the coming weeks but this week i don't think deserves a pood at least for me i don't know was yours the fans again was that was that what we had just a, a few yeah, minutes ago that's that's a pood i mean it, it, it is what it is and uh, you know I, i'm trying to give the fans one more chance to get on the bandwagon uh, but they're not taking it matt so i, I disagree think, with you I, I think the the vast majority of them are on the bandwagon the the hype we saw after this win on twitter i mean even just like with our you know victory tweet like we'll talk about in a minute with the party in the modes like it, the the people are rallying right now i think everyone does appreciate what a win that was and and how in you know years past that's that's probably a game that we lose so i disagree with you overall i, I think you're completely overgeneralizing with a few negative commenters commenters are always going to be negative that's just kind of did the you see what the, the guy just just tweeted at us like an hour yeah, ago I, about yeah, how, yeah, how our defense is garbage right but matt that's I, one I just, guy that's i know one i know guy. but i i let these, i let these guys get to me so you do he's, i know, he's I, know now, I know you he's, do i shoved him in a locker so that's where you can find him um <laughs> but but i'll give you one other poo that i had and, and I don't have, again, I was running around for this wedding, but I was there pretty close to kickoff and watching it close to kickoff, I mean, and, and the attendance didn't look great. It did eventually fill in, but I guess it wasn't terrible considering it was Labor Day weekend, everyone's down the Cape, whatever, but it doesn't look like that extra hour of tailgating did all that much as far sure. as get, getting the fans in on time. Sure. I think that's fair. Um, you want to move this into due to the week? Yeah, I already gave you my due to the week. Joe, Joey Spiraccio. This kid is just going to be a grinder. Again, just an undersized two-star recruit. And, and again, just the potential this linebacking core has to really anchor this defense. I can't wait, you know, till McDuffie gets back. But in the meantime, we're in good hands with, with my guy Joey here. 
I got to I got to get him a nickname right now. Yeah, right now we get Jim Chan interceptions is pretty good. Although he's not it's, from New Jersey, he's from Florida. He just has a, a an Italian I think know, last name. But. Is he from? I thought he was from Connecticut. Uh, that would work if he was from Connecticut or at least like it's the New close, Haven. Close enough. Yeah, it's yeah. also just a mouthful. So we'll we'll it workshop is. that. We'll we'll let you know what the official Joe Sparaccio. If I'm even saying that right, who knows? I have a feeling it, we're not. Official, but yeah, <laughs> that's the other thing. I was I was at the I was at a wedding and I was you know watching with no sound and all that. So I'm, I don't I'm not I don't have my full deck of cards here, Matt. But yeah, that's right. my that's my dude of the week. All right. I love it. So I, I did not include Zay Flowers on this just because I think it was almost too obvious and, and it, he was incredible. I think he was a lot of people's breakout, you know, pick of the, the you know, who's going to be a household name this year. So I, I did not include him, but just a tremendous performance. And I'm so excited to see what he's going to do here over the next four years. Tony touchdowns, like I mentioned. Um, and then the only other two I have. So Martin Jarmond released his first clothing line. I think he, he must be the first athletic director in the history of athletics, like going back to the, you know, Greeks and the Romans to have his own clothing line. It's such a cocky move and he knows it. He was like retweeting people left and right being like, oh my God, you know, take my money, all this. I just love this guy. He's absolutely electric. The clothing line is electric, by the way, and I look forward to getting my hands on that. Pretty much just the you know, quarter, uh, the throwback logos that we've been asking for for years. So love that move. And then, of course, I think did you, the – Did you see him greeting everyone at the uh, – before the yeah. tailgate? He was yeah. dapping everyone up in the cars. Yep. Yeah, it's he's... a big-time move. I, I, the only thing I'm worried about is that, like, I think that he's, like, two years away from, like, a presidential campaign because he's so personable. <laughs> Everybody loves this guy. He so would I get do... 100% of the popular right. vote. I think, I, th- I think we might lose him to the White House. But otherwise, I, I love everything he's doing. And then my main dude of the week – needs to be our guy Lee Corso for giving us the party in the modes refrain. Uh, Lee Corso is just the best, by the way. I don't know if anyone, like, I don't think anyone has anything negative to say about Lee Corso unless like, I don't know, you were, I guess, a, a Miami fan or something and maybe you hate him from the Florida State days. But party in the modes is going to be a rallying cry for this fan base all year. Every time we have a big win, hyping everyone up throughout throughout the, throughout the game day and, and after big wins. And Matt, just a little eyeball emoji here. Be on the lookout for some 4th and Dude special edition merch coming in the next couple of days. That's all I'll say about that. I emoji. That's it. That's Man, all you can say. I, I can't stop thinking. And what you said there was was great, I'm sure. I just can't stop thinking about a Jarman Adazio presidential ticket. That would be so electric. Yeah, I, I, I don't know who would say no to that. Not certainly not me. Certainly not you. Um, all right, Eagles in the wilds. Do you have any? Do you have anything for this? I got a couple. So if I you have, wanna, I have one statement. Yeah, uh, Matt, I have the first pick tonight in our fantasy football draft. Yes, um, is that too soon to take Tommy Sweeney? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think that if you want points and and you want touchdowns and you want everything good that comes out of Buffalo, I think that's kind of your only option. Okay, I might take Matt Ryan first and, and Sweeney in the second. I'm still debating that. Well, um, I might sneak in there and grab him, but oh, shoot, we'll see. All right. That's my, that's my only eagle in the wild. Okay. Um, on a uh, less positive note, obviously it was cut day in the NFL on Sunday. Lucas Dennis, Aaron Montero, Mikey Walker, Connor Strahan, Wyatt Ray all waved. Uh, they obviously will keep at it. A few of them already been picked up on different practice squad and Jeff Smith as well, but that's just because he was uh, injured. So that's unfortunate timing there. But the dream is definitely not dead for these guys. Uh, but, you know, a little minor setback for some great Eagles. And I think that if, you know, if we know them, they'll continue to fight and, and you know, end up latching on somewhere because we've obviously seen them first person and in the talent that they can be and, and the electricity they can bring to uh, to any team that they end up on. 
And then the only other one I have is a shout out to many Eagles in the broadcast booths this past weekend. Uh, Matt Hasselback was on a weeknight call. It was a Thursday or Friday game with Pat McAfee. Oh, that was electric. Yeah. It was yeah. The, it was a great, it was uh, a great Cincinnati. Whoever That's right. Game. Yep. Cincinnati game. Uh, UCLA. UCLA. Everybody's favorite Eagle, Molly McGrath, was on lead coverage for the Bama game. Tim Hasselback was in there somewhere. And then I think Herzlick did a great job in his first game as an analyst on, on our game. So love seeing these, you know, former Eagles. Uh, in the media world, we're kind of becoming like Syracuse South. It feels like, yeah, it just on the on the broadcast side, we, we're we're better wait, than them. In, okay. in the, yeah, no, just strictly no. on the broadcast side. Okay, got it. Because that's something yep. to aspire to on the, uh, on no, the no, 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 right, 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 correct. Man, I got yep. one more for you. Uh, future future Eagles in the wild. Uh, our boys over at, at Boston College twenty four seven reported that we had ninety recruits at that football game. So that's outrageous number. Where do we put them all? I don't. I have, have no idea. Um, <laughs> but tell you what. Based on how that game played out and getting the getting the, the huge W there, I like our chances to convert some of those recruits. So uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, no, I would I would absolutely agree with that. That is like that is such a a bold number of people, and like yeah, it's funny it's, too because it's it's almost like when you go into like a job interview and you have five other candidates who are going for the same position right there. Like obviously they had ten different linebacker recruits, you know, all fighting for maybe what you know whatever two or three spots there at the same time. So it potentially could have gotten a little awkward, but I love it. Let's just cast a wide net, and I can't imagine there. Were many you know better game day atmospheres than than what we saw on Saturday. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, so let's do a quick duteous corpus here. Obviously, we're we're going to uh, overreact to everything that happened in Week One here. Um, so Matt, let's let's head into the courtroom. We have been waiting for this for so long. Court is now in session. All right, so I think the first place to start. I don't know. T- to me, you probably have to start with Florida State. Because that was a huge question coming into the year, right? Is is how are they going to look? Has has Willie Taggart made any progress this off season? And uh, I didn't, you know, get to get to watch the the full game, but I did see when they were up to you know a twenty or so point lead against Boise State, and I actually said out loud to my buddy, I said, I w- I want a live bet Boise because I don't believe in Florida State this year. Well, did you get the did you get the my bookie app? They could they offer live bets. I know I, I was having internet issues, so I didn't put okay. the bet in, but that would have paid out a zillion because yep. Boise State did come back, and and I think Taggart's seat is is as hot as it can be, especially given the way they lost that. So I know a lot of people preseason predicted Florida State to come into Chestnut Hill and on Red Bandana Night, I believe, and and, and knock off the Eagles. Uh, that to me is just not going to happen. It was never going to happen. So that that settles my fears a little bit that Florida State's a real contender. I hear you. I so before we get started, I want to I want to bring up a tort here and make the point that I think the conference could be ours this year. And I'm going to make my opening arguments again on the on the legal theme. So any legal eagles out there, please correct me if I'm wrong. We want this to be as accurate as possible. But I think that my opening corollary is that Clemson is going to get everybody's best shot week in and week out. Period. Right. Former national or, or reigning national champions, every single team on their schedule is going to be game planning them, you know, weeks in advance. Um, it's anytime they're on the road, it's going to be a sold out crowd, rocking crowd. It is very hard to go undefeated after a national championship, especially, you know, even with a team as, as good as they are. So really, if they drop one or two games, the rest of the, the conference for for everyone that we, we need to play and and not getting everyone's best game looked pretty weak on the whole. Um, I think that and we can run through them all you know one at a time. But NC State was unimpressive. Uh, Pitt looked horrible. Cuse was certainly not convincing. So I think overall there's a, a a significant chance for Clemson to drop a couple games. And with the rest of the conference being as weak as it is, us getting this first win out of the way gives us a serious argument 
that we could end up in Charlotte this year. I'll just say that. Okay. So, Matt, Clemson's really, really, really good. I, I agree. But, Matt, we see this as Patriots fans every year. Do you know how it's – it's? I mean, it's virtually impossible to go undefeated in the regular season. In I the know, NFL, you it, can get away with that and lose four games. You can't do that in college. And I've, I've, I am full of hot takes when it comes to stuff like this. I just don't see anyone beating Clemson this year. I think it's they're, – they're as good as they've ever been offensively. And they just reloaded on on defense. I don't, and they played Georgia Tech, so you can't read too much into it. Georgia Tech's, uh, you know, a shit show of a program right now with the new coach and everything. But uh, Georgia it, Tech is a virtual max school right now in terms of this season. Yeah, it, it, a, a weak one, but but that offense, man, with, with and I hate Trevor Lawrence. Everyone knows, you know, he looks like the girl from Disturbia and, and a, a billion other people that. What's the what's the guy from uh, what's the what's the movie that Trevor Lawrence looks like the guy in? I mean, any any cult leader, you know, any in the history of the South. I <laughs> I can't stand him either. I really hate him. Whatever whatever that movie is, yeah. I mean, he's but he's the real deal. As much as I want to hate him, uh, he is, and he's got weapons with with Justin Ross and Etn, who I kind of hate too, but he had a, he had a huge game too. So you know, T Higgins, another one, right? So that's going to be very difficult, I think, for anyone to to keep up with. And it's not a good matchup for us, which is why I'm I'm hesitant to say anything. Just although our okay. secondary look look good, but you know, we're, and we're I just but again, keep in mind, I just need you to have some reasonable doubt that there is a chance that that they drop a couple games, and the rest of the conference looks weak. So I do think it's a two horse race, and I don't think that's too early to say that between the two of us. So I think that we could get some reasonable doubt in the idea behind the fact that we could win the ACC this year, and I think that there is. Probably money to be made on that right now too. I would imagine we're still probably. Oh, like, I, I, I made know, the bet twenty I, I, plus to one. I mean, right? I mean, it's got to be a, a pretty high number. I'll I'll take a look at what I got it at with my bookie, but it's uh, it's just not. I don't think a, a great matchup for okay. us. Otherwise, I'd be fully in. I think second in the in the ACC is a phenomenal you know goal to have, and and ten and two is 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 great, and I think it would you know be a great year. And by the All way, right. we're we're loaded coming back. You know, we're, we're obviously going to lose AJ, but but this is shaping up to be, uh, you know, potentially a, a powerhouse when you think about the recruiting that's coming in. Uh, you got you got a ton of guys that are young that are that are look to be, you know, high performing players. So uh, obviously, let's take it one year at a time. And, and this studious corpus is now covered, you know, more than we probably intended it to. But all right, I'll throw uh, this. I will throw that argument out. Uh, I'll dismiss that argument, but I have the right to bring it back on appeal in like week six after they've dropped a couple games. After Clemson that. has dropped a couple of games, I mean the the maybe Texas A and M right, so that that'll be well, that doesn't matter, game. but yeah. So that's that's exactly my point. So they might lose Texas A and M. That does nothing for us. They're not going to lose to Syracuse, right? And if they lose to us, you know, which I don't necessarily see this year, I just I don't see a lot of on a losses that are going to potentially happen. Whereas you know what you could in, in previous years when you know Florida State was clicking and you had Virginia Tech and Miami or you know whoever's playing, you know whatever, but. Uh, it's just probably not really. Okay. I, I think I think that if you preponder, disappointed to hear if you preponder the evidence, I think that's a long shot. I still bet it, Matt, but I I just don't really fully agree with. It feels like you're badgering it. right now. Um, so let's move on to some of the other teams here just quickly. I think NC State looked very unimpressive in their win. Louisville just I think kicked off what 15 minutes ago. I think they're probably going to get murdered tonight by Notre Dame, unfortunately. And FSU, like you said, they looked really good when they you know for those two quarters they looked scary good, honestly, but they looked terrible the rest. So they're inconsistent, and again against a team that we would have you know run out of the state of texas last year in boise state for them to lose i feel pretty good about that pitt looked awful against uva let and me, Cuse, let me take, you want to talk out yeah, talk about me, Cuse take, for a couple minutes here because i'm sure you have many thoughts let me take cues I've, I've been saying all off season that you know these cues fans just assumed that tommy devito was again like the next donovan McNabb and was going to be uh you know the, the next great syracuse quarterback and they 
they thought that the the ten win season was not an aberration, even though it blatantly was. And um, I don't, I just accuse uh, fans drive me nuts. But anyway, I mean, we we all you know at least read what happened. So so Tommy DeVito is is obviously this unproven guy, but he was in the Elite Eleven with Tua and Jake Fromm and a few of those other guys. So um, he gets all this hype. And then he knocked off a, a terrible UNC t- uh, Yeah, was it UNC? I think it was, it UNC, was UNC. Yep. In like double OT last year when Dungey went down. Like sick, dude. So a- after that, everyone's all in on, on the uh, DeVito hype train. Whereas I knew that Eric Dungey was their whole team last year. And it's looking to be the case. Uh, he, he had a terrible stat line, like a 42 QBR yep. against Liberty. Awful. With, again, their coach uh, in a hospital bed directing traffic uh, from up there. So... Let me just let me just be the first to say I told you so. You are the you're like the you're like the Syracuse Whisperer, man. You were in, all over there last year, and, yeah. and and now you're on top of it here as well. In general, I'm seeing things pretty clearly this year um, with BC, <laughs> with Syracuse, with Florida State. I don't know. It feels it feels good to be right. So uh, so yeah, I, I I don't know. That's that's really duteous corpus to me. It's it's Clemson, it's BC, and then. I'm not really impressed with anyone else at this point yet. I'll say that Wake did have a nice win against Utah State. Utah State was like ten and sure. two last year. That's a that's a legitimate win. Um, it was but a very that, close game, but after, that's it, right? After UVA, that, is, it, is it UNC? Is UNC U, like UVA and UNC were the only two others that had good performances? And again, obviously, we won't play either of them till till Charlotte, so it doesn't really matter too much for us. Um, so my final, I guess, closing argument is that I do think the conference had a very bad first week for everyone outside of BC, which I think should make us, you know, feel pretty optimistic about the team that we have and, and what's going to come over the, uh, you know, next couple of months. Yeah, it feels like an open and shut case to me, Matt. All right. So that does it for duteous corpus. Court is adjourned and let's talk spiders. All right. Well, before we get into it, Matt, the Richmond preview today is brought to you by Blue Chew. Most of us probably won't need this ad when we can just rewatch last week's highlights. But dudes, any of you out there looking to increase your performance on and off the field and get that extra confidence you're looking for, listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color, brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. You can take them anytime, day or night. And since they are chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence when it counts, BlueChew is the fast and easy way to do so. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. They're prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for you guys out there. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. When you use our special promo code armchair, just pay the $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code armchair to try it for free. It's the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this Richmond preview. Matt, with that great ad, let's just dive right into it. Matt, I certainly can I just say you're so electric with the Blue Chew ad readings. I'm, I'm worried that you're, they're going to poach you and you're going to become the official <laughs> spokesperson. And I'm going to have to find a new podcast host. They probably, yeah, we'll they probably have great benefits. I, I mean, you probably get free blue chew forever. Not Absolutely. that, again, we need it after watching that performance against the Hokies last week. Uh, blood flow was was certainly not an issue, I don't think, for, for most Eagles fans. I'll just say that. Okay, so uh, <laughs> next up here is uh, we'll preview Richmond. And let's start it off with the Richmond fun fact. Matt, what do you got? So I got a couple here. This one, I guess, is not necessarily fun. It's just a fact. Uh, in 1861, at the start of the Civil War, the entire student body, literally every single person enrolled at the University of Richmond, formed a regiment in the Confederate Army. Uh, so these guys have been on the losing side of things for 150 plus years. 
certainly don't expect that to change on Saturday. Obviously, the stakes are are, are significantly lower, but I think it's still going to be a, a pretty big beatdown, uh, the likes of which history hasn't seen in a while. In 1992, they hosted the first ever town hall president, first ever televised town hall presidential debate. So that's cool. Uh, big U.S. history guy. And get this, Matt. The current president is in the Cincinnati Orchestra. He's the first ever cellist to receive a doctorate in music from Yale University in Connecticut. Wow. The current sitting president also does mu- music on the side? Yeah. I don't know if he's still in the orchestra. I mean, he's, I'm sure he still plays like a hobby. It's not something yeah. to get rid of. But I don't know if he's still live in the orchestra on the roster, but he is an orchestra wow. member. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a, a five-tool guy there, Matt. Completely agree. Um, so I got one. The uh, the Richmond Spiders are the only college in the country with an arachnid as their mascot. Uh, and the name, Matt, is derived from a star pitcher from the 1800s that had lanky arms and a strange windup that was apparently spider-like. And so the name just stuck. That's a, that's that's shocking. I would have definitely guessed there's another spider somewhere out there. Is that yeah, just D, is that just like D1 basketball schools or is that like all colleges everywhere? I think it, it's everything because it listed off a ton of similar ones. Uh, like there's a ton of yellow jackets and, and right. B-related uh, mascots, but yeah, they said they were the only arachnids out there. So um, interesting, some, something to think about. I, it's interesting too because I mean, back then, and it ha- it seems like you just change your mascot name willy nilly like that back in the 1800s. We've seen yeah, that with that's other what, schools yep, too. We see it all the time. I think NC State has like seven different seven different mascots and colors too. I think they were like pink and brown when they started. If I'm remembering my fun facts correctly. Yep, yep. I've heard that so, one uh, every episode. Pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Pretty fun. So yeah, so that's that's a fun fact there. All right, so so to keep it moving here, our next segment is a fun one. This is, I think, Matt and I's favorite segment. It's the top five Richmond alumni, top five and six man Richmond alumni. Matt, do you want to kick it off? Sure. So again, for any new listeners, the first time we play an opponent, it is the notable alumni. The second time we play them, it is their basically notable mascots. So like if this was the second time we played Richmond, it would be the notable spiders, which that actually I feel like would work better than uh, a lot of the other ones that we that we did last year. And then the third one, you know, play a team the third time, we're still kind of workshopping that one. But for alumni, I'll go with the first overall pick, the internet sensation rapper Little Dicky. He is known for uh, many, you know, actual rap hits on the charts, but more like a comedy and, and, you know, good music video type thing. He is, so I've lived in New York for, I guess this is three or four years now. Uh, he is still my only celebrity sighting in three or four years, which is like, I think, shockingly bad for someone who lives in the city. Um, we have, you know, friends that have seen De Niro, Jessica Alba, like name the, you know, big, big stars. Uh, all I have is Lil Dicky outside of a, an ice cream shop, like the second week I lived here. Yeah, and that's probably one you like had to think about. Like, oh, yeah, because like I recognized someone. him. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. I will say uh, his song "Freaky Friday" with Chris Brown is an all timer. It's yeah. on my it's on my Sammy Adams playlist. Check me out on Spotify, <laughs> Matt. Although I guess you can't find me because we're anonymous. So, um, oh well. <laughs> we'll make a fourth and dude tailgate playlist of the Sam Adams. Song <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's probably on it. it. It's probably on there too. Yep. Um, all right, so that's year one. So I go uh, for my. Second pick here, Matt. I'll go with Todd McShay. Obviously, the authority on the NFL draft. So, um, you know, he's had his fair share Eagles that he has, you know, gave us the scouting report on. You guys all know McShay. He's him and Mel Kuyper are buddies. You see him all over the television every, you know, April uh, when the NFL draft rolls around. So he went to Richmond. I think he played QB. And then I, he's a Swamp Scott guy, yep, right? He is. So he's, 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 he's childhood best friends with Dave Portnoy. There you go. It's a small world there. And then uh, I'll go with, let's see here, Sean Casey, who is the mayor. He played for the Cincinnati Reds for probably like a decade. He's known as the friendliest guy in, in, the, in Major League Baseball. He was once voted that uh, back in the mid-2000s, I believe. 
Nice. So for mine, this, this I think, was basically tailor-made for me. Richmond, in no surprise to anyone, because they are a team on the Boston College schedule, they have an astronaut as an alumnus. Leland Melvin uh, has been in space. He was on the Atlantis shuttle. Former Spiders wide receiver, actually like a phenomenal football player, leads the school in receptions. Uh, I think he's fourth all-time in touchdowns, drafted by the Lions. Get out of here. Yeah, really, really, really good so football I, player. So I saw, I saw the pictures of, and it's the astronaut with the dogs, right? Yep. That's yeah, like so a he also picture. loves dogs. Yep, exactly. He, he was actually, he's actually a good football player too. Yeah, he was, he was drafted by the Lions, but he, I think he tore a hamstring or something in training camp, picked up by the Cowboys, bounced around for a little bit, but never really caught on. So was like, well, rather than just be a practice squad guy, why don't I just become an astronaut? Which you know seems like a logical career jump. Also appeared in his later years as a guest judge on the Bravo program Top Chef. And also the dog whisperer. How about that, huh? Yeah. So I think that that's that's a really good one they should be proud of. And then I'm going to go with Tim Fincham, who was the 20-year commissioner of the PGA Tour. I think he stepped down or was voted out. I don't know if that's a voting thing or what, uh, in 2016. Notable for also serving in the Jimmy Carter White House. So that's kind of a two big resume things. If you can be a commissioner for the PGA Tour, one of the essentially a top six sport in the country, as and, and also serve at one point in the White House, that's... You're doing something, you know, decent. Two very diverse roles, too. Correct. There's not a lot of overlap there. Correct. Um, okay, so in my five hole here, I'll go with uh, Walter Anderson Crump. And he is an entrepreneur famously known for being convicted um, in the largest tax evasion case in U.S. history. Oh, man. I mean, this is like up your alley. So I'm officially out on Richmond um, <laughs> as the guy that is concerned with... Uh, fraud and, and accounting related things. Um, he hid his wealth in offshore shell companies in Panama. And get this: one year he reported income of sixty k when he actually made three hundred million. So like, oh, that is yeah. like not even close. Yeah, so they caught him. Like, I mean, you would have caught that in like an hour. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, see, he's a Richmond guy. Okay, not great. Uh, is that it for you? Or you have one more. No, that's it. Yeah. Wait, how'd that's that work? Six. That's six. Oh, I, that was six for me. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Wait, was that? So you did Todd McShay, Walter Crump. And then Sean Casey. Oh, Sean Casey, the mayor. Yeah, that's the right. mayor. That's right. Okay. A couple notable mentions or honorable mentions that we missed. Uh, Bruce Hornsby, who yes. was in The Grateful Dead for a couple years. He is most famous for the Just The Way It Is song, which Tupac later remixed. And then I've got Kenny Atkinson, who's the current coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I, I had Bruce Hornsby too. Did you know, Matt, he claims to have once beaten Allen Iverson in one-on-one basketball? I can, I can buy that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It was on. Oh, well, I can buy that he claims it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I guess. I, yeah, it was on Wikipedia. So, so yeah, Richmond okay. guy. Overall, not a horrible alumni group. Like, it could have been worse. And I, actually, they had surprisingly a decent amount of, like, professional athletes for being a D2 school. Yeah, they got a, they got a couple. No one huge, but. Yeah, I mean, they got a pretty good. The basketball program's not bad, right? They got those annoying guys that do all the celebrations on the sidelines. That's right. Yep. Um, but the football team, outside of, I think, Kyle Laletta, I don't think they have Tim much. Hightower. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's, yep. that's true. Touchdown vulture. Yeah. All right, let's move it into tailgate ability here. We got about five minutes left. I'll let you kick it off because I'm just going to you know, be honest. I'm a little pessimistic about the weather forecast. Are you? That's good to know. Um, I won't let that impact uh, my, my projection here. So as a reminder, the scale is out of 30 Bud Lights. And as far as FCS opponents go, you know, this one isn't terrible, but it is an FCS school, obviously. Um, everyone does know my undefeated policy. It has to be at least 20 plus um, if we're undefeated. 
just it's a whole different environment when we're uh, you know in the thick of the the playoff race as we are currently. Uh, the three thirty kickoff, as we covered last week, that's sort of the sweet spot for playing football, and I think it will still have the extended tailgate hours there, Matt. So you know the game itself will probably be a snooze fest by about the second quarter. But with that said, there's only so many Saturdays on Brighton, so I got twenty three point three Bud Lights, Matt. Okay, yeah, I think we're normally on the same page here, and, and we're definitely, you know, definitely in the in the same neighborhood again. So, uh, like I said, not great weather. It's going to be a gray, overcast, drizzly morning. Sixty eight degrees and a twenty four twenty four percent chance of rain at tailgate start, uh, but it will have been raining all night long. So I guess that's it's liable for that to leak into the afternoon. And either way, the track will definitely be you know a little bit sloppy. Uh, you know, we're walking around Brighton, not on the parking lot side of things. Game time overcast at seventy two should be dry, but like I said, who knows? But otherwise, again, it's a D two opponent, which doesn't really get. Uh, you know, the people moving too much. I do, like you said, love the 3.30 kickoff, which by the way, is all thanks to the ACC network. The fact that we now have so many extra slots to put us in, like this game is is in the history of Boston College would never stray a single minute from a 12 o'clock kickoff. Um, so the fact that we're getting 3.30 for a D2 game is, is pretty phenomenal uh, and love to see that. I think that's only going to continue throughout the rest of the season. But overall, just a big letdown from last week in terms of opponent and excitement and all that. But still early season, it's a sure win, which means a relaxed tailgate, undefeated, like you said. So I'm going a little bit lower than you, but right in the neighborhood, uh, 20.6 Bud Light's official score. Yeah, I like it. I'm not going to be able to make it to this one. Um, this isn't necessarily a travel one. <laughs> yeah, but, I would agree with that. But I will be at Kansas uh, next Friday. So I'll be uh, on the lookout for koozies. I'll just say yeah, that much. I'll see all you guys on uh, on Brighton on Friday night. So, all right. So let's talk football. Matt, I didn't do a ton of research just because it is Richmond. And if we don't beat Richmond, then we got bigger issues. So these guys are, are an FCS opponent. They're in the Colonial Athletic Association, Association Conference. Last week, they beat Jacksonville 38-19. to It looks like they have a mobile quarterback, uh, Joe Mancuso, who threw for 130, 131 yards and, uh, and rushed for another 77 and two touchdowns. Uh, they do have a star defensive end, Maurice Jackson, who averaged a sack a game last year, which, which led the CAA conference. Uh, and he was a preseason All-American, I believe. So, you know, they have a couple players, but, you know, they're, they're a 33-point underdog for a reason. So, overall, not concerned. I think, uh, you know, with our, with, our, with our horses, with AJ, you know, I, I'm not all that worried about this one, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think, obviously, in, in college football, we know that nothing is for sure. Uh, we saw Georgia State knock off Tennessee last week. You know, UNI took Iowa State, you know, who was ranked 21st to, to three overtimes. But they're not even in the same class as, as you know, D2 Richmond. This is, this is pretty much as close to a sure thing as we possibly can have. They are coming off a big home win over Jacksonville State. So I think, you know, that win will probably have gone to their head. And I think we'll, we'll kind of catch them napping, catch them at the right time. Like I said, they're not the worst D2 program historically. Tim Hightower, Leland Melvin. It's not a complete joke of a, of a program, but still really no concern here. You know, no, no. I, I anticipate the starters playing about one quarter, very similar to the UMass and Holy Cross diet last year, uh, with that rolling into a very anticlimactic pr- prediction. Going BC 52, Richmond 10, probably a shutout to like the mid third or fourth quarter, and they just happen to grab something once we go like unit four. Yeah, 100%. I, I, and I call it the AJ Dillon effect, and we saw it, you know, with Holy Cross and, and UMass. If if you're uh, able to tackle AJ Dillon, you probably wouldn't be at an FCS school. But to your point, crazy stuff happens, so we shouldn't you know take this too lightly. But yeah, let's let's get up by three scores in the first quarter, get the backup some reps, see what we got depth wise, and 
I, what was your what was the Eagles? I have Eagles fifty eight, Spiders ten. What was yours? Oh, 52 to ten. Come on, man. That? That's pretty uh, good. Yeah, I got a couple field goals in there, Matt. I so. think people people must like assume that we share these beforehand and try to make it close. But I swear to God, we've never revealed our numbers, and we and we are always like right on the right on the nose. So yeah. good job yeah. by us. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, we're normally right. Like the, the correct number is basically splitting the difference, pretty much of what we predict most of the time. Yeah, I think the Virginia Tech prediction was was spot on, right? Yeah, pretty just pretty, about. Yeah. Yeah, pretty darn close. So, yeah, I mean, they don't call us the experts for nothing. That's why we're here. Exactly. Um, so thanks again for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, Blue Chew and MyBookie, BlueChew.com, promo code armchair. And when betting on the birds to win the ACC outright, head over to MyBookie.ag and use promo code chair. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fourth and dude on both. And as always, keep an eye out on our guys at Eagle Insiders BC247. They do not slow down when it comes to the best BC Insider content there is. Even for an FCS week, they'll be churning out a lot of you know great uh, great inside looks all week. So sign up today to get everything you could possibly need for all of your Eagle coverage everywhere. Matt, I'm excited to announce that we are officially upgrading, or at least I am, and I hope you're on board. We are officially upgrading from the road to 10-2 and two, to the birds are now on the road to Charlotte. Let's go. I'm in. It's a dude alert, folks. Credit card bill.